Grace be to you in peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll just reread one verse from Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Watch what I will do. I will rain down bread from heaven for you, and the people will go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test whether they will follow my instructions or not. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you enjoy taking tests in school? Any hands? Oh, we got one. (laughs) That's good. Most of us don't like to take tests, but they do serve many good purposes. They're helpful to a teacher to help evaluate if they're being effective teachers. And they also help those who are taking the test grow in their knowledge and their understanding. Think about it. What do you do when you know a test is coming? Or what should you do? Luke is smiling. (laughs) Study, right? Got to study. And as you study, those things that you were taught, those things that you learned, they get cemented into your mind, and maybe you even learned some things that you missed when you're studying for the test. Now, if you didn't have a test, maybe some of those things wouldn't happen. It was really interesting as I was studying to see how many times the Bible says that God tests his people. Maybe the first instance that might come to your mind is Abraham. That chapter that tells us about God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac begins with these words. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. When Israel arrives at Mount Sinai and God descends on the mountain with clouds and smoke and fire and sound of a trumpet and earthquakes, Moses comforts the people and he says, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. In Deuteronomy, it says that God might allow the words of a false prophet, the prophecies, the predictions of a false prophet to seem to come true. Why would he do that? Moses says, The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord, your God, you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. In our gospel lesson, as we heard, Jesus was testing the Syrophoenician woman, in that case, probably not to build her faith or her trust, but so that other people, the disciples, you and I today, could see how great her trust was as an example for us. In our epistle lesson, he warns the church in Smyrna that they're about to experience some testing. But he comforts them by telling them he's still in control. He puts limits on the tests that his people suffer. This is going to be a short one. And he encourages them with the promise that those who remain faithful, even in the midst of testing, will not be hurt at all by the second death, but 
have the crown of life given to them. Both James and Luther remind us that there's a difference between testing and temptation. The difference really is in the motive. Temptation's motive is always to lead us away from God and destroy our faith, and that always comes from Satan, always comes from our sinful nature. Testing, on the other hand, always has the motive, a good motive, the motive of building up our trust, increasing our faith, drawing us closer to God. So consider how God tested Israel when he was giving them manna. Think about the situation. The chapter tells us that they had been in the wilderness for about a month. During that time, they had seen some wonderful, powerful examples of what God could do. Divide the Red Sea. Make sure all of those people got through safely, and as soon as they got to the other side, bring that water crashing down, destroying their enemies. They didn't have to do a thing. They didn't have to lift a finger. God did it all. God instructing Moses to throw a branch into the bitter waters and turn them sweet so that they would have something to drink while they were out in the wilderness. They got to see God's presence demonstrated to them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, there all the time, every day. How did they respond? They grumbled against Moses and Aaron because they didn't have the kind of food that they wanted. You might have heard that they even really exaggerated what it was like in Egypt. They said, well, back in Egypt, we sat around all pots of food and we had all kinds of food, all that we could possibly want to eat. That probably didn't happen very often, if at all. They were slaves. Very few times, if any, that they sat around pots of meat and had all that they wanted to eat. But that's the way they glorified it. God is the one, Moses reminds them, that brought them out of Egypt. He's the one that led them into the wilderness. It wasn't Moses. So when they grumbled against Moses and Aaron, well, they were really grumbling against God himself. So if you were Moses, and these people that God told you to lead, and you were just doing what God told you to do, were unjustly blaming you for all of their problems and for not having the kind of food that they wanted, what would you do? Probably most of us would immediately turn in our letter of resignation, say, I'm done. You're on your own. What would you do if you were God? And this bunch of people that you rescued from slavery in Egypt, answering their prayers providing for them with signs and wonders and miracles, now seem to be completely ungrateful, doubtful of your love, doubtful of your power, and questioning your motives. What would you do? God says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Wow, that's not what you expected, right? Ungrateful people, doubting, not trusting you, questioning your motives. I'll rain down fire and brimstone. 
That's what you expect. That's what they deserved. That's really what you and I deserve. Often aren't we just like Israel? God has blessed us today with more things than just about any other people who have lived on the face of the earth. Our transportation is better, our housing is better, our food is better. We have storage sheds, we have pantries and refrigerators and freezers that are packed full. God truly has rained down bread from heaven for us. And yet, like Israel, we often grumble and complain. We think other people have it better than we do. We sometimes talk about the good old days when we've still got all kinds of better stuff than they had. And we grumble and complain. We stand in front of that cupboard that has lots of stuff in it, in front of that fridge that has lots of food in it, and we say there's nothing to eat. Well, there is, just like Israel had something to eat, just not what they wanted. So they grumbled and complained. What a gracious God that we have, that in spite of our lack of trust, in spite of our grumbling and complaining, he doesn't give us the judgment that we deserve. And the reason he can do that, the reason he doesn't have to give us the judgment we deserve is because he's already given it to Jesus. He's rained down that judgment that should come on our heads. He's rained it down in Jesus in our place. Now, what was it that God wanted to find out by testing Israel? Really much the same thing that he wanted to find out when he tested Abraham. He's really asking, what's your relationship with me? Will you trust me to provide for you? Will you trust me to do what I promised? Not only to bring you out of Egypt, I've already done that, but to continue to be with you, to bring you all the way through the wilderness, all the way to the promised land. That's what I've promised. Do you trust me? Do you trust my words? Do you trust my instructions? So that you'll follow them, even if they don't seem to make sense to you even if they're contrary to your feelings, contrary to your desires, contrary to what everyone else is saying, contrary to what the experts are saying? That's what I want to know. Do you trust me? This was the test. God would provide bread from heaven. When he did, the people went out, and the first time they saw it, they said, Manah! Manna, what is that? That's what that word means. Every time you say manna, you're saying, what is it? No one had ever seen anything like it before. They had some special, wonderful qualities, apparently. They got it for 40 years, ate it for 40 years, and they were perfectly healthy. Must have had everything in it that the body needed. Some other unusual things about it. It came in the morning with the dew, and by the time the sun was up and shining brightly, it melted away with the dew. Other part of the test, special instructions that God had given his people. When you go out and gather it, 
Gather only as much as you need for the day. Don't get greedy. Don't hoard it. Don't try to keep it overnight. That was the test. If you gather more than you need, it's not going to be good. Those were the instructions. So what happens when a teacher gives you a test and you don't follow the instructions? The instructions say, circle the answer. You underline it. Might be the right answer, but the teacher really can mark it wrong. You didn't follow the instructions. What happens if the instructions say, circle the correct answers? And you just kind of read it quick and you ignore the S on the end and you just circle one, but there were three or four correct answers? Well, you're going to get some wrong, aren't you? So what happened when the people didn't follow God's instructions? When they tried to hoard things, they got greedy and tried to keep it overnight? The Bible says it didn't work out well. They didn't gain anything. When they got up in the morning, what they thought they had extra? Stinky. Full of maggots crawling around in there. Not good for anything. But when each gathered just what they needed for their family, those who gathered more did not have too much, <clears throat> and those who gathered less did not have too little. God was teaching his people, wasn't he? Teaching them to trust him, teaching them to trust his instructions, to follow his word, even though they might not think it made sense, even though their sinful nature told them, hoard it, gather as much as you can. He was teaching them to trust him, to provide for them just one day at a time. God's test was designed to build trust. The people showed by their grumbling that they had doubts about God, that they weren't sure, even after all the things that they had seen, that their God could really provide for them in the middle of a wilderness. And, and we understand that. Think of the disciples. They wondered, how can Jesus provide for these 5,000 men plus women and children out in the middle of nowhere? They doubted. People in the wilderness numbered a million and a half, two million are the estimates. How could anyone still today, with all the things that we have, how could you provide for that many people every day for 40 years in the middle of a wilderness? Humanly impossible, right? So we understand how they could have doubted. But God made it obvious that he could do what he said, that he could and he would provide for them. He would do what he said. He made sure that they understood that he was the one to provide. He was the one in control. Part of it was that six days manna was given. On the sixth day, you could do something that you couldn't do any other day. On the sixth day, you could gather enough for two days, and that night, the night of the Sabbath, it wouldn't get smelly. It wouldn't get full of worms. Any other night, it would. God made it clear. I'm the one who's providing. I'm the one who's in control. 
Do you doubt me, God says? Do you doubt that I can provide for you? Provide for so many people, million plus in the wilderness? At evening you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. God saying, you think I've forsaken you? That's what they were implying, right? God brought us out into the wilderness to die. Is that what you think? I brought you out here to die. Do you doubt my love for you? Do you doubt my ability to provide for you? Here's some proof. Proof of the fact that I am the Lord, your God. I haven't forsaken you. I'm the Lord, the Almighty God, the one who can do anything, the one who always does what he's promised because nothing's impossible for me and I cannot lie. I think it's safe to say that like the Christians at the church at Smyrna, believers in our world today, all of us are going through a time of testing. God is allowing all these things that are happening in our world today and using them to test us, to ask us that question that he asked Abraham, that question that he's asking the people of Israel. Through all these things, God is saying, do you really trust me? Is my word, my instruction, is that number one? Are you going to listen to that more than you listen to peer pressure, friends and neighbors, more than you listen to so-called experts, more than you listen to your feelings or your sinful nature? Well, you trust me, God is asking us. Sometimes, like some in Israel, we'll fail the test. Sometimes we, we won't trust him as he should. Sometimes we won't listen to his instructions. We'll listen to our sinful desires. We'll listen to what someone else says instead of God. But as we see, that God continues to give that judgment we deserve for those sins to Jesus instead of us. As we're constantly reminded through his word and through the sacrament of our forgiveness in Jesus as we constantly experience in our life that he does keep his promises, that he does provide, that he works in everything for our good. Our faith is built stronger and stronger. No one likes tests, but a skillful teacher uses them to build knowledge and understanding. No one likes tests, but God uses them uses them to bring us closer to him, uses them to build our trust in him, to trust that he really is in charge, that he really is the one and only almighty God, that he kept his promise to send our Savior, that he'll provide for our needs every day, one day at a time. He's worthy of our trust. Testing builds trust. Amen. Please stand.